Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Cheech and Chong. <laughs> oh, man, that's a different uh, road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel, and I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know what? We're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. And I'm Richard Spate, Jr. And we're here talking about episode 17. 17. Of season one of Supernatural, entitled Hell House. Hell House. Yeah. Not Uh, how you describe it on the real estate listing, you know? It's uh, misery adjacent. Come check out the Hell House. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't sell quite. And it really is a Hell House. It's a bit of a shack uh, on the outskirts of Vancouver somewhere. But um, what a great episode. It's It's a great episode. Another iconic episode. So iconic. I almost get tired of saying it. But so many of these episodes loom large in the fandom's hearts and minds. And then you see it and you're like, oh, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's awesome. Well, and, and, you know, we're building the show. We're building uh, the ground level of what's going to be 15 seasons of a show. And Floor uh, one, Rob. Everybody, floor one. Ladies lingerie and, uh, <laughs> and, and men's briefs. Home goods. Yeah. <laughs> Those two go um, side by side. All right. Well, let's get into it. A group of teens go to visit a supposed haunted house. Okay, nothing ever nothing ever goes yeah. well with anything no. that starts with a group of teens. A group of teens. Yeah, yeah no, no. It never never goes and they, well. And literally, is they, they walk up to the house and you're like, don't go, don't go in. And by the way, are there any boneheaded teens who won't just walk straight into a haunted house? I mean, is it part of being a teen that you lose the synapse that says, look out, that could be dangerous? I mean, what's wrong with you teens? I don't know. Uh, teens these days. Super However, teens. things go south when they discover a girl hanging in the basement. I'm from the South. Why does South always mean bad? When things go South, why can't it be things go North? You know what I mean? Like, why why Uh, do we have to pick at Southerners? You know what I'm saying? I mean, do you really, do you want to pick that apart right now? You're from, you're from Missouri. Come on. Yeah. Okay. I know. I'm just saying, I'm trying to get through Hell House. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get through Hell Conversation. I mean, this is just really challenging. (laughs) Anyway, Sam finds the story on the internet and the brothers go to investigate. Nothing ever happens on the web that's that's going to lead to good. You know what I mean? Like this is a, no. like the teens, the house. It's called right. Hell House right there. And that's now right. he's on the internet. I mean, it, oh. I know. And I, now I'm living it, trying to get through this summary. Um, <laughs> they hear a rumor about someone who used to live in the house. Rumors Mordecai. are rumors are the okay, death of boy, us all. Oh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Fine. Um, the person who used to live in the house, his name was Mordecai Murdoch. Yep. Mordecai, I know Mordecai is what you were going to name your firstborn, Rich. Um, Mordecai Murdoch's fate. I was going to go with the full. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mordecai Murdoch, who killed his daughters by hanging. Wait, yeah. he, like hanging around? No, no, no. By he, 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 like he, the rumor is that he hung them. Right? Oh, the stories that he the hung way them it was written, I thought it meant like he lurked around and he kind of just killed time until they passed away. No. While investigating further, they meet two self-described paranormal investigators, Ed Zedmore and Harry Spangler, yeah. who run a blog called Hellhound's Lair. Sam and Dean connect that what Ed and Harry write manifests in the house because of a Tibetan spirit sigil painted on the wall. Oh, that means like all that energy that people are spending thinking about the stories these guys write. It actually comes to life because of the dumb sigil. That's right. Oh, man. Sam and Dean try to trick Ed and Harry into writing that iron rounds will kill the Mordecai spirit, but it doesn't work because their server crashes. No, this is going back to my problem with the Internet. Like you're trying to solve a simple supernatural crime by getting a ghost to change his methods so that you can kill him with with certain types of bullets. But no, you can't get decent Internet. Thank you, Spectrum. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Dean decides to just burn down the house. No house, no sigil, no ghosts. Ed and Harry leave for Hollywood to sell their story at the invitation of a Hollywood producer. Oh, that's awesome. So he's going to get his own show. That's really exciting. 
Yeah, but then Sam admits to Dean that he actually called the aspiring ghost hunters pretending to be a producer. That's a son of a... In a fun little tag there. But, um, you know, there were a lot of great guest stars in this. Besides, of course, uh, Ed and Harry, A.J. Buckley and Travis Wester. There's the guy that runs the... uh, Works at the record store. Yeah. That sort of was was in there just sort of putting up fake symbols from albums. Yeah. Um, A Blue Oyster Cult fan. A Blue Oyster Cult uh, symbol. And I couldn't help but wonder, did he audition for one of the... Ed or Harry, and they're like, "No, but we got this. Vi- the guy who works at the vinyl record store." I definitely felt like they they once they cast Travis Wester, they're like, no, "Let's find somebody who looks exactly like Travis Wester to be the guy working in the record store." <laughs> like they gave him the same haircut and all this stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there were the kids, the different sets of teens that went in. Uh, anyway, Steve, lots of young. Man. They always travel of- in sets. I mean, you mm-hmm. nailed it, Rob. Uh oh, yeah. here comes a set of teens. Right. I mean, how many times, you know? Yeah. So this is what a great episode. I mean, this it's a really funny episode. There's been funny moments in this show, but this is the first time that an entire episode was playful. And, and it really, you know, it's it's the kind of episode that several seasons down the line, you and I would, our characters would be in. I loved this episode. I'm, yeah. I'm leaping out right now ahead of the curve and just saying big, full, bushy beard for me. Oh, I, wow. I, I, I thought this episode was had the great balance of drama and the scary. Yeah, And then the comedy, and again, the way AJ and Travis play those characters, yes, they're funny, but you never feel like they're jumping the shark and doing a different show. It still felt true to the supernatural universe. Oh, yeah. And and yeah, I mean, more to that point. I mean, not only are they not jumping the shark, but they're they're so invested in it that that's what makes them so lovable. And, uh, you know, and you, you really believe it. And and the fact that they're that they start off being sort of almost like against Sam and Dean, you know, yeah. because they're like, you know, no, 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 this is uh, our house. We know what we're doing here. Yeah. So good. And, um, uh, yeah. Wow. You went uh, right in for the review. I mean, we don't even well, have time for, for dinner. You just it's right, so, went it's right so good. The... I feel like everything worked. It was really it super really creepy. Like the house itself as a set is really creepy. The way yeah. Chris Long shot it, who's the director. Yeah. And Chris Long, by the way, old, old buddy of Phil Segretia. As soon as I saw mm-hmm. Chris, Chris Long's name come up, I'm like, well, I know who called Chris Long in. Mm-hmm. He went on to run like the Americans and some really cool shows. But like, it's so well shot. It's yeah. really creepy. And yeah. the introduction introduction of the other characters of the comedy element doesn't take you out of the creep factor. Right. And that, you know, that's a hard thing to pull off. Like keep, right. keep the, the, the creepy part of the show going. Right. But bring Well, I too, I too am going to give it a full beard. And, uh, and, uh, you know, lots of pop culture references. I love the, the Sam and Dean, the running thing where Sam and Dean are playing pranks on each other. Yeah. And then at the end, of course, it's a great wrap up when actually Sam plays a prank on the Ghost Facer guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm calling them Ghost Facers guys because that's what they become in the future. But at this point, uh, you know, they're, they're just Ed and Harry. All right. Let's get into my notes on my phone. And now it's time for Rob's phone notes. Rob's a cheater. Right. He takes notes during the show. And the first scene, there's a creepy teen who says to another girl, do you want to hold my hand? And then he's like, do you want to hold something else? And I was like, please, dear God, have him die in this scene. And he didn't. And that was upsetting to me. Not only that, but you find out later he works with food. (laughs) (laughs) Kids are short order cook. Like, I guarantee you, he did not wash those mitts before flipping burgers. This This is why I never go to a restaurant run by teens. I did not like that guy. Uh, also, I noticed right away the first time we see Sam and Dean in the car, Sam got a haircut. Jared Padalecki got a haircut somewhere along the way. His hair is nice and trimmed. Classic teen. Um, also, there's an Easter egg where uh, Sam holds up, or uh, Dean holds up the Kansas album in the record store. I thought that was cool. Oh, fun. yeah. I thought that was great. I, I noticed yeah. that too. That's really cool. Kansas, of course, who sings Carry On Wayward Son, uh, which becomes the uh, theme song of the show. Uh, and then my last my last note is that there is a, a Sam shirtless scene, which is exciting. And I didn't and, notice. Yeah, he takes his shirt off huh. and he and he does kind of a peck flex. You know, when like one boob, when a man can do that, would kind of make a... I thought uh, boy, that was... When I was the only one who... I, I didn't pick that nobody up. Nobody else... Huh. Well, I didn't freeze frame it, so I, I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't right. run it in slow mo. Huh. Well, the ladies know what I'm talking about. Um, here's a question for you, Rob, because you're yeah. a cinema insider. Do mm-hmm. do productions have to pay to show album cover art? Meaning, like, did Kansas? Did they have to go to Kansas and get permission? And Blue Oyster Cult, by the way, did they have to like license? I don't think so. I I, I would say um, this is a, a guess, an educated guess. Is no, I think that's okay. I think. I don't know. There could be something, some, some, uh, like how long you show it or, you know what I mean? If it's an insert of an album cover, then you might have to pay for that. But just holding it up, I don't think so. Like if you, if you hold up Catcher in the Rye, you don't have to pay the Sadie, uh, the JD Salinger organization. You don't? Any money. 
Not if you hold up just the cover of the book. Okay, I didn't know that. I honestly uh, thought any, I thought all those things were. But at the same time, you can't show a painting. You can't have a Jackson Pollock in a in a scene without paying royalties. You on can't that. show so, tattoos without written permission of the tattoo right. artist. So yeah, but you know, I noticed that he he holds it up really quickly. But uh, I don't know, maybe maybe. Uh, call in. Call, call, we'll take calls at the yeah, end of the show. We'll call calls. in and let us know what you yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, listen, Rich, uh, without further ado, I'm really excited about our guests today. Oh, man, I'm so excited because these are friends of ours, people we've known yeah. forever. We've we've done conventions with these guys yeah. and known, known them as individuals and seen them work as a duo. They are great actors and super funny dudes, and we're thrilled to have them. Robbie? Yeah, AJ Buckley is currently playing Sonny Quinn on CBS's SEAL team going into its seventh season. He had a huge role in CSI New York and Justified. He's He voiced Pigeon Pete on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. And Travis Wester has appeared in numerous TV series with guest star spots on NCIS, Castle, Justified, Bones, Cold Case ER, CSI, the films Euro Trip, and God Bless America. Please welcome AJ Buckley and Travis Wester. It's such a pleasure to have these two with us on the show today. Please welcome to the show, AJ Buckley and Travis Wester. Oh my gosh. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, everybody? For starters, let me, let me say that for the people who listen to podcasts regularly, this is one of the rare times where none of us are in the room together. We're all like spread out across the country, practically. Yeah. But uh, we're making it work with technology. When's the last time you guys saw each other? I'm curious because you guys aren't in the same zone. It's been no, a minute, no, right? It's actually, yeah, it's been a minute. We were supposed to meet up at a convention in Florida, I think it was, Travis, last year. So, year dude, I don't know, man. There's been several. I keep we keep I keep going to convention and AJ's gonna be there and it's like, nah, AJ's gotta work. <laughs> well, I mean also COVID, you know, nothing screws up a good uh, reunion like uh yeah, pandemic. Yeah. COVID was, was it, fun, I think between sure. pandemic and COVID and then me moving um South Carolina, I think probably kibosh it and stuff. But but it's good to see you, buddy. Likewise, man. I, I, no, I'm not gonna lie, I felt a little tingle. <laughs> All right. Good. That, that, that familiar tingle. Oh, Harry Spangler. Just they make an ointment for that now, AJ. I don't want to ruin it for green, you. Yeah, green, green tea extract. It's fantastic. Thank you for specifying down there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into this. So, listen, you guys, obviously, in in the world of Supernatural, you guys are iconic and beloved characters. Um, and this is this episode. It's the first time you showed up. So, walk me through that process. When you're reading for this show... We both, A, we both based in reading out of Los Angeles. And if so, did you have to mix and match? Did you have to read with each other and other people? Why don't you go first, Travis? And I um, no, I don't think, I don't think we did. Did we? I don't think we did any mixing and matching. I don't think I did. I think I just went in and read it. Yeah, it was the same. We, I went over to Warner Brothers, that office there. You know where like Phil and everybody's office was over at the Warner Brothers? And then there was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if it was still there, but it was like the LA office. Um, this is when Kripke was on board. Yeah, yeah, that was the office the whole run of the show. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's always that cool little restaurant there right on the corner. They used to always go before or after. And uh, yeah, we walked in and um, I actually, originally they didn't want to see me for the part. And I ha- I happened to had been out with David Nutter two days prior because my agent was like, yeah, they don't want to see you. And I, I, I touched out to Nutter. I'm like, hey man, there's this character that my agent thinks I'm right for. And it's the thing. He was like, oh yeah, he was, let me, let me make a call. So I guess he, he called casting and they ended up bringing me for the audition yeah you know why because david nutter said hello i'm david nutter i'm the most powerful pilot director in the planet and you're gonna see this guy and they go yes sir mr nutter absolutely mr nutter and it was great because i was playing like this kind of nerdy guy on csi new york and i'm kind of a big nerd in real life and i was like i, I can play this character and like that nah, he's just not he's just not the, the right guy and i was like but I do remember seeing Travis at the audition. Oh, okay. I do remember seeing it. And we I, talk, I remember telling you about this. You were folding, you're straightening out your papers. Yeah. You were, yeah. He was straight, he was straightening out his papers. They were grumpy. He, kept, he was like straight, straightening them out. I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> then I went in and it was like two days later, found out. Then we were like on a plane and we, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, wow. I wonder why they didn't think you would be right for the part. <laughs> you're never right for the part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's this or that. You're just, I, I feel like anyways, every role you've had to sort of bite, scratch. and. I was going to say, I think there's a way that people look at these things, especially when they have written it and they have this thing in their mind. Because neither one of you guys on the surface are classic 1980s, what people say, oh, it's a nerd. You know, that sort of generic stereotype. Yeah. What you guys did was perform it right. You know, you performed it. This is the crazy part. Trey Calloway, who wrote 
Hellhounds. Hellhouse. 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 Yeah, Hellhouse. Yeah. Ended up being a staff writer like within the year on CSI New York. Um, which oh, wow. Like, yeah, but she came in. He was like, hey, I wrote that. I'm like, oh, it's so crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just one of those weird coincidences. But the second one, Travis and I met at wardrobe fitting, it was like on. We clicked right away. We just jumped right and into it. Making up shit. the wardrobe lady did not know what to do with us because we were just like improvising out of the gates. And we we're making her laugh. And then what was the name of the English guy again? The director. Chris Long. Chris Long. Guy. Chris Long. Yes, because he'd always say Ed and Harry. <laughs> just had this really cool English accent about it. And, and then it just kind of felt like we didn't know if we were going to come back and all, but I knew that our improvisation out of the gates hit it. And I'm sure driving taking from here that, but we both just had an absolute blast on the show. Like yeah. we were just, they kind of like, there was, there was a bunch of takes that we were doing that they stopped because they were laughing at us or the, or the camera guy started laughing at us or something <laughs> happened. So there was definitely some great synergy here. There was a couple of takes that we didn't hear them say cut and we kept going and they kept filming us then. Like then they you get, <laughs> like, so like, what the f- are you guys doing? Like we just were in it. Like it was like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, this is the first time that I'd seen the episode and uh, you both right away. It's just the chemistry you have together is is so great. And how much, you know, how much improvising was done? Was there a lot with you guys? There was some, I uh, think that, I think that, that for this episode we did, we didn't do as much as like with, obviously with the later one with ghost facers, but you know, we definitely did. AJ just kind of went off a couple of times. I remember there was this one take it actually made it into the show. And I was like, they're never keeping that. But uh, there was something about like that pot that I smoked made me a little loopy. And uh, and I just I was like, well, they're going to cut that right out. And I watched the show and there it was. I was OK, like, I'm really glad you brought up that line because I saw that episode for the first time last night. And I watched that. I'm like, there's no way somebody wrote that. Line. There's like, there's got to be AJ improvising. I, I, I was literally like, going, what? Because like, if they wrote it, kudos. But that seems like. Good for them for keeping it. Yeah, that was a couple. That was years ago too. So, but I I remember there was so there's so many takes that we'd watch or I've watched back where in that episode specifically where we are trying not to laugh because I'm just we just start ripping some things and I'm trying to I was actually trying to get Jared and Jensen to bust. So I was just saying stuff to them like to see if they do. And then once they would get laughed, you know how it is. Once Jared starts, it's fucking the big giant laugh. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but. Uh, but then once I saw that they would, that Jared and Jensen would, would kind of smile at if I said some shit, like, oh, this is fun. I'm just going to play. And the director, Chris, was really cool. He was like, give me more of that. That was really, that was good. And then we just, we just honestly, it was so, so much fun. I, and I always give such credit to Jared and Jensen. And you guys have all felt this, you know, for it to be two big studs and to be on, you know, hit show, to be in their house, so to speak, and to be so gracious with the guest stars and want to have fun and play around and, you know, yeah. I think is it was such a great a great thing for us to sort of for Travis and I just to have so much fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Just so many funny bits. Uh, I love I love and I love that you know you each your own specific character. You know, I love the scene with Travis you you get excited and you run towards the trailer by yourself. You're like you guys are so excited about something and Travis just like Well, they got that running. scoop and they're like yeah. ah yeah, that was yeah, that was improvised. You took off. You just took. <laughs> I thought. I honestly thought we rehearsed that. I thought we were both. I thought we were both going to turn and run, and it was just me. And I just. I, got, I remember I got to the trailer and I turned around and AJ. AJ's looking at me and the entire camera crew's looking at me. And I'm like, yeah. And, and and AJ, I love I love when you have the mask like all kilter off your sort that, of half. That off your also face. got me every time you did your goggles up. I'm like, I was like. There were a couple of times where we don't see you. We don't see you put them up, right? You emerge the yeah, bushes, yeah, yeah. and they're like, they're up. like, they got like your hairline and your yeah. ear. And I'm like, what the? What was he doing? Or how does he take off goggles? I mean, it was great. It was like a detail like that 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 stands out because you're like, these are all the little nuances you guys did are so funny. And it, and again, we keep going back to this point as we've been rewatching the show. And we're talking about a gag that you guys filmed 15, 16 years ago, an episode. And what I'm consistently struck by is that the shit holds up, man. Like, it's still funny. You know what I mean? It, either it's still scary or it's still dramatic or it's, in this case, funny. It is still funny. You go back and watch some, like, 80s comedies, you're like, eh, it didn't really hold up. Uh, I thought it was funny then. But it's still funny. Your guys' relationship is, you guys are funny enough to be hilarious and grounded enough to feel real. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a very delicate balance to strike. 
well, you guys. Well, I think with with what Phil really who kind of came become like a real champion of the two of us. He kind of had sort of based that like he was like that was all the thing. He's like play the comedy, but grounded in as much as reality, as mm-hmm. much as reality of, of these guys, reality, like they, everything that's coming out of their mouth, they 100% believe. And I think once you give us that note, which half the shit we fucking say anyways, we're making up where we believe what we're saying anyway. So we're like, right. let's, let's do this. But again, yeah. it was that, that crew is so electric. The Vancouver crew are just such like, it was such a fun place to go and work. And like you showed up and people like high fiving each other and talking about the Canucks and like, you know, who's going to win this or, you know, like there's just, and then they would, they'd say action and everyone would have fun and, and the weather would suck, mm. but mm-hmm. everyone would be having such a great time. It was a very special, special group of people for sure. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think following, following on what AJ said, you know, I think um, what really made that work for both of us, I think was, and I, you know, getting back to what Phil said, which was, you know, I don't think AJ or I ever tried to do anything for it to be funny necessarily. We tried to do what was real for the characters and those characters, you know, th- they were who they were. And so it just kind of played funny. But I don't know that AJ and I, I don't think we ever sat around trying to be like, what would be the funniest choice to make? We thought about who are these guys and what would be the most real choice for uh, Ed and Harry. And mm-hmm. and I'll tell you something also, because you guys are both obviously funny guys. You, have, you know your way around comedy. But and but you, we all all four of us know that not all comic sensibilities merge well with somebody else's comic sensibilities. I mean, right. in fact, it could be Clash of the freaking Titans. Like if you guys are not like think the same thing is funny. You know what I mean? It, 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 that, that was kind of the thing, too. And it's funny how you brought up getting to be do mix and match like. I w- you would have thought that we would have met and had a thing because of our dynamic. But back then, I didn't think they had an idea that Ed and Harry were going to become Ed and Harry. I think right. we were just because we, we were only scheduled to come up for one episode and that was it. And it wasn't until a month or two later that we got a phone call from from Phil that went well. There, there's some rumblings about something. Phil Sagrisha, we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the greatest guy in the world. Yeah. Right. Agreed. We'll be right back. Hey, guess what? We're back. There was a hot minute where it looked like you guys or felt like you guys were going to get your own show. Am I wrong? Uh, no, 100%. That was actually that's actually a pretty crazy experience for both Travis and I. Like, had we done the Morton House yet? But the Morton we had no, no so we had no, no, we just so we did we did the Hell House and then we did Ghost Facers a little while later and then we we actually did the spinoff show. Uh, gotcha. Okay. Web okay. Yes. So we, we did a web so, series. Yes. We did the, the first one of the first web series. But they how it happened was after we did Ghostface, when we came came to Ghostfacers, and that I don't know if we can talk about that here at all, but that was with Phil, with everything. And that was such that was such a magical experience. Still to this day, the my favorite experience I've ever done in my career as far as like collaboration and being able to like there was no setup cameras on the show at all. It was all, all all our handheld cameras. Let's explain what it is a little bit, just so so we can rewind for people who are, are catching up. So explain what Ghost Facers became. Like, what was it? So they basically, years later, it was Ben... Edlund? Ben Ed- Edlund. Yeah, wrote this sort of like, rea- like you, you refine the Ghost Facers, I think it was like a season later, and the guys run into them again. And they basically, though, they have their own TV show, their own reality TV show. And basically Jensen and Jared are the guests have in a sense have become the guest stars of their show. And basically how they were going to film and how it was pitched to us and Travis jumping at any point, they weren't going to film anything with regular cameras, like how we show up on set and, and the cameras are there and, and the crew's there, like and you're shooting in one direction. The set was 360 degrees and we all had war cameras. We all held cameras. We had high and wide GoPros up in corner. We built the set was you'd walk down a hall, you'd go through a door like it was everything was live when we rolled. So it almost felt like we were back on stage. Like it just it was it was a performance. And when they said action, anything could go. And Phil would like plant traps within the house so we would get a real reaction. Wow. You know, then we were meeting, you know, Dustin and Austin, Brittany and um, everybody else on, on the show. It was like our sort of first time that we would we'd meet everybody. Take a minute, Travis. 
Yeah, it was uh, that. So the Ghost Racers was a hell of an experience. Following up what AJ said, Phil, yeah, loaded that house with all kinds of uh, all kinds of surprises. I remember, um, I, you know, he did these things where he kind of did like the confessionals, and so he shot like interviews basically of all the of all the people in character. And something I kind of came up with in the moment was that I was I was just scared of rats. I was like, I'm not scared of anything except rats. I think I said something like that. And then so he had the he had the prop guy throw a like a rubber rat into a room and then had me open the door into the room to see what I would do. And I think, I believe what I did is I screamed in terror and ran away. Right. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that made it into the show, but, but then, then what happened, but then what happened in that scene, cause he's down, we're filming at the exact same time. And we're all talking over, uh, over radios. I hear him scream. I don't know what he's screaming. And so he then runs down into my shot and I don't know what the, what the is going on. And now we're like trying to improvise the scene of this, this rat. And then like, and then we ran out of the scene and it goes. So it was this really cool. You just didn't know. And everybody had to stay in it, you know, um, which speaking of Jared, and Jensen and making them when you have to stay in it. And I'd kind of done a homework of all these, like what, cause they'd already met Sam and Dean, what Ed and Harry's names, they would have come up with them in conversations of like, well, those guys like chisel chest and rubberneck and like all these different things. We, we would, so we're like in the improvise, we kept throwing these <laughs> and Jensen or Jared couldn't, every time I called him something, he couldn't keep a straight face. And he would just, <laughs> He literally on every time you go, what's he, what the f you just call me? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so when you did Hell House, like when you finished Hell House, did you have at that time was did was it like, did you think, okay, see you later? Do you have any idea that you'd be back after Hell House? No, it was after it was after um, Ghost Facers. We Travis and I just got a random call. They're like, hey, uh, Crippy wants to talk to you guys down at the office. I'm like, you're in trouble. Yeah, I, th I thought, like, <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> like, and him and I met, and I think we went over to that same office place. Well, if um, I could just, if I could jump in, like, what happened was, I remember, like, because we had just got done with uh, Ghost Facers, and we had been running around kind of just doing extra stuff because we loved these characters so much. Right. I think we went down to Comic-Con and in, in character. No, no, and, no, 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 that, no, that was, remember, they pitched us that in the room. To, oh, to go down to Comic Con? Yeah, remember it was Comic Con. They wanted to, they wanted to pitch, bring us. Remember that's they said right. that in the room. That's but, right. That's yeah. right. But we we had been like going around like filming our own stuff, and I think Kripke was like, "Let's go ahead and get these guys back on the ranch because because they're, they're kind of yeah. starting to do them." And both of us really thought we were in trouble. I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, I was like, okay, and they're like, "Hey, look, um, we love Ghost Chase. We love what you guys have been making over at Phil's house. We just made like these little like." Um, what was it like ghost ghost martial arts like GMA yeah. GMA how to protect yourself from like ghosts and we're just <laughs> like we go over to Phil's house for four or five hours every other weekend we just like shoot random shit and then film would edit just for our own our own humor or if we went to like a comic con or like not a comic con like a convention we would shout and then right. Kripke comes in and we sit down in the room with all these people they're like hey we love the thing and we're thinking about doing some type of little show with you guys and we're like what and they said we want to bring you guys down to the comic con and bring you out onto stage and harass with the guys and then when we get back we'll discuss some type of of like web series type of thing that we want to do and it was by far one of the, the coolest things i think rich you came to the yeah i did i came to i came to the screening uh phil let me know about it and i think chris long was there too because I, because I, I knew chris long and phil from a pilot i'd done years ago and i remember going and again just to date this thing i don't think i'd ever physically seen phil you know what I mean? I think I talked about it was it was not in a time of social media or anything like that where you were seeing everybody all the time on, you know, texting and whatnot. So I got the invitation and 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 came and, and saw all you guys. It was so funny. And I just want to say ahead of its time. I mean, like if that were to happen to a show now, it's a no brainer pickup onto a web channel for that network. Like, yeah, we were definitely ahead of our time. And I think that was the, like, and what was cool is we got to write it. We got to direct it. Like they were like, they brought in Patrick. What are the duty brothers called? The duty. The, so it was the, Patrick the, duty the, and Chris Feliciano. Feliciano. And they, they came on and, and helped with the writing and, and editing and directing. And, and it was just a complete collaboration on everybody. We had to come up with, what was it like? It had to end up being, was these five minute web series that had to have a hook and something to drive into the next story and there would be six of them to be a 30 minute standalone 30 minute television show they didn't want us to know that it was a five minute show if played consecutively but they wanted it to just flow so it was like kind of a mind bender as far as trying to find those those beats to push to right. push through so here's right. a question that's a hell house sort of like the origin story question 
when you were back in the doing the original episode, you mentioned going into the wardrobe room and making the lady laugh and all that stuff. How much of an impact or uh, influence did you have on the look of the characters? Because you mentioned the goggles and stuff, and there were some very specific elements that labeled these guys as these guys. Obviously, it's a creative wardrobe department there. Did you have a voice in that? Did you expand off of that? Like, how did that work? No, I mean, I, I got to be honest, uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of showed up at wardrobe and and I think uh, wardrobe just kind of had their ideas. I remember, I think in Hell House, I had this vest and then for Ghost Facers, I then had like a jacket that had like these little buttons on it. <laughs> um, when, when, you, when you're hired to just do one episode of a show, typically you don't show up with a lot of ideas about your own wardrobe. A hundred percent. You yeah. show up a wardrobe is like, here's your wardrobe. And you're like, thank you very much. <laughs> Were you personalizing it though? Because, and, and I know I'm circling back on this thing, but you guys had the way you wore your gear. It all felt, it all felt very organic in the way it sort of played out. So you know, like sometimes when you're playing a soldier, they give you your uniform, but then you personalize your gear. You're like, ah, I'm going to wear my helmet. No, yeah. that definitely that definitely happened. Like I actually I got handed like this box of pins and then they were like, I go ahead and pick the pins. I think uh, but more with the props, like, you know, I think that kind of personalization kind of came more with the props like AJ's goggles. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, I had a bunch of, of stuff that I was using that I kind of I kind of brought on board. So um, I think right. so. So to that point, I think it was probably more the props that that kind of got the personalization, the personal touch. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think too the, the the wardrobe department, like I think when we were joking around in the room and like having fun, it, we all, we always got like, like, how about this? And then we start we were kind of finding our character because we filmed in a couple of days so we were we were literally like kind of just going through things travis and i and you couldn't shut us up and then things were kind of coming on we're like well this is cool great yeah i love this this is, so it was a real like fluid mm-hmm. experience it just kind of it, it was one of those things where it just kind of fell into place and everything hit as it needed to be hit and then when we got on set it was like you know it's those magical experiences that you can never really explain when it's yeah it feels like it's planned but it was not at all and yeah. it, it was and I, I i've said it before and i'll say it 100 times ghost facers is so so freaking special to to me and i know i know to you travis too just of like it was like it's such a so much it's a, the whole memory of it is so fun and what we got to experience in the journey that we again we just thought it was going to be one a one-off guest star and then to just on top of that you know the fandom the people that we've gotten to meet over the years you know, and see people, you know, dressed up like us or they, yeah. they had like a ghost facer con. It was just one of the cool and wow. just meeting those people through the years and over the years since that we still talked to them. We think we're going to that one in September, Travis, right? It's one in September. So it's like, this thing just, it never dies. And it's so kind of like us. We've accessed the other thing. We, uh, our characters never died on the show. We actually were the longest living characters. We never, everybody else died. Right. That's awesome. We're somewhere That's... off in a trailer somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> still doing it. Um, and then when you got this, these parts was ghosts or the paranormal part of something that you knew. Yeah. Personally was, for you guys, like knew of the show or no, no, no like, like, like you did guys you, did you know anything about, about ghosts, ghost hunting, you know, the paranormal, anything about that? Do stuff? you believe I don't, I'm scared to go. I hate ghosts. I really, <laughs> I really, I really clowns and ghosts. I'm not a fan of Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a ghost clown would be your definition of hell uh, yeah listen we have a story <laughs> we have really a really funny story that i could tell you one time but uh yeah no i i, be- I believe in in uh the afterlife but yeah it was I, I don't know when we watched it but i there was there was travis remember there was that one show we kept watching and it was like I the guy did like because it goes on, but he'd do like a captain's know. log. He'd do like yeah. a captain's log before he's like, today we're out at the ranch. And yeah, he'd make his voice so like really deep. And I was like, growl like this. Yeah. There could be a demon upstairs. I don't know. It was, just, it was just, but that was our favorite. That was definitely Ed and Harry's favorite show. Cause that guy, but he always wore like a trench coat and he had like dyed black hair and like an earring in his, in his thing. I was like, this guy definitely hunts ghosts. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, you guys had such an impact on the show. I mean, you know, here we are 15, 16 years later having a conversation. Talking about it. We're talking about it while you're still headlining conventions. I mean, it's obviously had a big impact on on the fandom and probably you guys as well, I would imagine. 
you you know you really did the both of you paved the way for characters like like Rich and mine you know talking about you know bringing comedy into the show but also keeping it grounded uh, but you guys had the advantage of working in season one what was it like at the you're you're coming in at the end of season one to do Hell House was it did it feel like a well oiled machine at that point you know what was the vibe on set of working on Supernatural at that point so when we jumped in they were still doing to put it this way they they were still doing uh, table reads for Eric Kripke before each episode. Oh, interesting. So, and I know that like by the time we did Ghostfacers, I think Ghostfacers was what, season three? By that point, they were like, ah, forget it. They just right. wrote it. There was no need for a table read. They just, they wrote it and shot it. But um, so back then it was, it, it didn't feel as well oiled as it did kind of later on in the show, obviously. But yeah. even when we jumped in, I felt like things were really clicking. I felt, you know, cause you, you I think there was that sort of feeling you get when you're on a season one show where you know it's going to be, you got something. There's a lot of times you're guest starring on a season one episode or whatever, and you kind of can tell that this thing is this thing is just barely creeping along, and it's probably going to get canceled. And even the craft service person is kind of walking around like, oh man, what am I <laughs> doing here? And uh, but no, on, on season one Supernatural, everyone just had a pep in their even when the weather was crappy, like AJ was saying, even when you know the the mud was up to your knees, everyone still had a really good attitude, and 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 if there were problems, they got solved really really quick. So I think what we we were there to watch the oil getting applied right 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 yeah right um and and again the like i think you knew you knew jensen too from before right Mm -hmm. travis yeah yeah Yeah. and i i I briefly knew him uh barely knew him just through a mutual friend terry chen and that we'd all lived on kind of the same street briefly and had kind of seen each other in out in Los Angeles. I just worked with Terry Chen for the for three weeks. I, I know I, I know Terry. It's crazy. Small world. Any good dude, huh? Grill, you're a good dude. Love Terry Chen. Yeah, really good guy. So we all kind of like was just so Travis kind of broke the ice. Was like, yo, what's up? And like again, they were like such great people, Jared and Jensen. There was definitely a buzz. And I remember, I remember seeing like the pilot when Nutter directed it and had a screening of it. And he, uh, it, it had it was a super special show. Like you could tell it was, there was nothing like it on, on TV. It definitely had that, that vibe. Like it was going to be around for, I didn't think as long as it was. I mean, it's definitely amazing that it, that, that any show could do a run like that. But I think that goes down to like the amount of efforts that you guys put into the conventions, connecting with the fans, making it feel like a family. Like once mm-hmm. a show hits a certain point and there's no other glue that bonds the show to like the, the fans and what's happening on the show, like the, you guys really, especially in the convention area, really took that to the next level and really created this sort of user experience where they are part of this this world that was created. And I think that that was probably one of the most special parts about that show is that how much it meant to the people that you met around the world mm-hmm. that watched the show and were so invested and so and cared about it so much. I remember I was over in Iraq doing a USO tour and some dude, as I'm going through the thing, he goes like this. He points me like this. He goes, because Ghostfacers had a sign like this. He goes, he goes, he goes Ghostfacers. I was like, whoa. So it's just, it's, it's such a special show. If there was ever a moment for Ed and Harry to, to do something again, you know, I would stop everything I'm doing to, to do that. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. And again, again, I'm super excited about going there in September. I can't wait to, it's been a minute since we've, since we've seen all the fans and stuff. That's yeah. great. Are you guys going to be there? We are not going to be there. No. Rob did one in that same place in September. Then I just did one. I just got back. And then you guys are doing the one coming up. And it's going to be it's going to be a blast. The UK fans love you guys and are super enthusiastic about the show. And it's going to be a, a, a ripper on good time. And I agree with you. It's been with COVID and everything. What was a regular event of seeing fans in some capacity just went away completely. So it's a nice reunion, you know. How many episodes did you guys? You both directed episodes, right? No, just no, Rich. I directed. Rich, Rich, how many did you? How many did you, did you direct? I directed eleven towards the end of the. That is awesome. I mean, talk about like getting into the like being part of the family and then kind of coming into that. You know, I mean, that's that was so great about that. Like, you know, from Kripke to, to Phil to everybody, there it was. They, there was sort of this open door of creativity and the investment of being part of it. And if they saw the love that you had for that, it's like that, it, that doesn't exist. You know, know. it just doesn't, it doesn't exist in any other show that I've been a part of or any other thing. It just, it was a really special, special, special uh, show. Yeah. To to have all the opportunity that's come from insanity. 
I completely yeah. agree, my friend. Completely agree. It is such a pleasure to have you guys on here. Uh, what a treat. Yeah, you know? so great. And, you know, like I said, you guys paved the way for, for characters like ours. And uh, it's, it's, fun to, it's fun to go back and watch you in that original episode. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it, 15 years ago. And weirdly, you guys look the same. I mean, I, everybody's gotten older, but like nobody, like you haven't morphed into different people. Like, you know, you're still the same guys. It's kind of awesome. Botox, a lot of Botox. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, AJ's had work done. I, I could tell for sure. I have a wife that's in dermatology, so she, she comes in here and it says, I got it done right before we came on board. <laughs> yeah, before, before we got it this morning, I, I uh, the reason actually I had to keep pushing is because, uh, you know, I had a lift done. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real, it's real torturous. <laughs> um, you guys will come back and see us again because you have more episodes coming up. Yeah, I'd please. like to do an episode about the Ghost Facers. We should do yes. one about that web series. So there were, there's more conversations to be had, guys. I hope you're up for coming back. I hope you're digging the episode, but we need to pull over for a quick second for some messages. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. Oh, man, I love those guys, man. I really, really do. I can't say enough good things about those fellas. No, they're awesome. And obviously, we have more interviews with them coming up because they're, just, yeah. they're a wealth of information. Plus, they do many more episodes. And they're just they're just awesome people and awesome guests. Thanks uh, so much for them for coming on. And spoiler alert for you and I that they're, they're coming back. We haven't seen the, re- the last of these guys. But no, not at all. I mean, I guess we kind of knew that just from... <laughs> I mean, we did. We did. Sitting them around, but yeah. But yeah. <laughs> That's no, awesome. We did. I'm just saying, you know. Um, it's trippy to see how AJ is now like buff and jacked. They're both like buff and jacked dudes now. Buff like, and jacked. Yeah, they're both buff and jacked. Um, and also, AJ, it sounds Southern now. Yeah. Well, you know that, you know, he's from Dublin originally, which is, right. you know, like uh, phonically not that far off a of Southern accent. And now he lives True. in South Carolina. And I think yeah. he's tapping into his, his old yeah. uh, Irish. Uh, what a, what a good actor, man. What a good, both those guys, great actors, great comedians, like just, just super funny. And, and, and their, and I, and their chemistry on this, this episode was so great. And it's, it's fun to see. You can almost see Jensen and Jared enjoying working with them. Absolutely. Going, oh yeah. Those guys are going to be back. Let's get into the mythology of the show. Mythology, mythology. Mythology. Tulpa is a Tibetan word meaning magical illusion or apparition. The practices of modern tulpamancers are supposedly modeled on the traditions of Tibetan mystics. Have you ever been topomanced by a loved uh, not, one or, or you not, know, somebody has a crush on you? Not recently. I need to bring a little topomance back to my marriage. <laughs> uh, it's talking about the thought forms. Speaking of mythology of the episode, though the concept of thought forms had been in Europe and America, the writings of interpreters like French explorer Alexandra David Neal uh, born in 1868 and died in 1969, helped bring it to the attention of Western occultists. Ah, yes. And did you know that during her interactions with Tibetan monks and exploration of Tibetan Buddhism, she claimed to have manifested a jolly monk who became self-aware? Well, that's healthy. Um, Wait, are you talking about Alexander David Neal? Born you. in 1868, died in 1969? That's the one. Wow. And uh, apparently this uh, this jolly monk soon became uh, more real and more sinister, so she had to destroy it. You know, probably labeling it a jolly monk made it feel like, oh, I don't have feelings. I can't, like, go. I don't have highs and lows. I'm just a jolly monk. And he rebelled right. against that. Note to everybody, when you manifest something, please don't just label it. Let it be what it is and don't just don't just emotionally pin it in a corner, you know? Thanks to Reddit, the Tulpa phenomenon has become intertwined with the My Little Pony subculture. I am not up to date with my phenomena. Hey, Rich, it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts! These are so freaking fun! This episode was inspired by an experience that writer Trey Calloway had as a kid. He and his friends went to an abandoned barn and painted it with red paint and put chains around it. That's freaking then, weird. Yeah. Then they told other people that they found this remote place where some murders happened. Ugh. Other kids started to go check it out and scare each other. A girl went out there and her, her imagination got the best of her and she thought that an apparition had attacked her. As she was frantically fleeing, she fell and broke her leg. The police even went out there to investigate if any crimes had happened there. Okay, let's pause one second. This whole thing says kids, kids, kids. You know what it really means? Teens. Teens. This is teens. This is classic teen BS. Trey, wherever you are, no longer a teen, maybe raising your own teens. Mm -hmm. Dude, like you painted a barn and then put chains around it. And then, uh, 
made a girl break Crazy. Like, tray. Yeah. What a story. What a what a guy. No, yeah. it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a clever way of using your real experience into your writing. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. This is fun. This episode takes place in Richardson, Texas, which is Jensen Ackles' hometown. That is fun. I didn't see Mr. and Mrs. Ackles walking around. That's weird. I didn't either. I feel like they should be there. Yeah. Also, Bobo, there's an obvious nod to Ghostbusters, the hit film, with the names Spangler. Spangler. That was Egon Spangler mm-hmm. in uh, Ghostbusters, and that was that was uh, played by Harold Ramis. And then Winston Zedmore, Zedmore being the last name of one of the Ghostfacers, and Winston mm-hmm. Zedmore being the character that Ernie Hudson played in Ghostbusters. So that's, that's uh-huh. pretty awesome. Also, don't forget, at one point, Dean yells, who are you going to call to get uh, the cops to go chase the Ghostfacers? That is obviously from a very, very famous AT&T commercial that was promoting long-distance service, I assume. <laughs> Probably also from Ghostbusters. Probably. Uh, There might have been a song about it, too. In 2006, the producers of the show actually built the Hellhounds website. Now, if you type in www.hellhoundslayer.com, it takes you to the CW website. Which is BS. That ain't Hellhounds. (laughs) That's interesting, though. A shirtless Jared Padalecki. So I didn't dream this. No, no. A shirtless well, Jared. Well, hold on, hold on. You did dream this as That's well. True. <laughs> That's this, true. This That's also true. happened. A shirtless Jared Padalecki was deliberately written into the episode to meet the demands of numerous fans. Especially the most vociferous fan, Rob Benedict. I and I had no idea they got my letters. In the record shop, when Craig is telling the story of the Hell House, he is handling a Kansas album. Their song, Carry On, My Wayward Son, is eventually featured throughout the series. It sure as heck is. Jensen Ackles picks it up. That's that's, right. I, that's the part I remember. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Oyster Cult album with the Tulpa symbol is called Fire of Unknown Origin. The title track of the album was in the original broadcast of the episode. But hell, Which if w- Rob and I know it, because we yeah. saw it on Netflix. Really would have been nice to hear. It, but, there's, and there's, you totally know, like, he's in a store holding up a Blue Oyster Cult album. And you're like, yeah. damn it, there should be Blue Oyster Cult music yeah. in this episode. Also, uh, there's a scene at the beginning where Dean turns up the music Wait, no, that's not this episode. No, well, so. at the end, he he cranks it up and and drives off. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, wakes up Jared by with loud music. So there's a couple yeah. of right, right, yeah. And you're going, what is that? You know. Oh, by man. the way, we do get occasionally. I'll see on our Twitter feed when they're you know hitting up Story Mill Media or you and me. There's like, you guys need to watch the DVDs. Uh, you're not seeing the real music. You got to not review the show based on Netflix. You've got to watch the DVDs. And I just want to say that's a great point and not going to happen. Because we're always on the road watching these things uh, and squeezing it in. And sadly, (sighs) digital technology is too convenient. But your point is well made. Hard to find a DVD player these days. You have a DVD player. Do I? No, honestly, all I have is a PlayStation that I could play a DVD on. I don't have a DVD player. Anyway, Um, we always want to listen to our fans and acknowledge them and then uh, reject their suggestions. That's our motto here (laughs) at... uh, that's well, supernatural then and now. what a fun episode this was. It was great, man. It was really, really, really great. Uh, w- one of my favorites so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so great uh, having Travis and AJ. And uh, yeah, it's just, just awesome. You mentioned um, something to them, Rob, and I, and I think you're spot on. You, you mentioned to those guys in the interview, you're like, oh, you kind of paved the way for, you know, the Robs and Riches and Matt Cohens mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. other characters, especially your character, my character, which have a comedic bent. The comedy thing, yeah. yeah. Like uh, Sebastian Roche and others Mm -hmm. and i think you're spot on i really feel like from the show's perspective production wise and their interpretation of the characters they were continuing to explore successfully Mm -hmm. can we use comedy in the show and still be the show we intend to be and Mm -hmm. you know this is kripke and everybody you know working together to find that seems like it was kripke and phil kind of spearheading it yeah and trey in this case right in the episode and it really works and it really does open the door for that kind of signature episodes that supernatural continued to do in its 15 year run it always found a place somewhere in the season for several moments of humor genuine humor often delivered at the hands of a guest star which is incredibly challenging too to find those good matches for Mm -hmm. the show and supernatural Mm -hmm. just had a great great track record for doing that which i know at some point we'll end up having a conversation with the casting directors the udk people but Mm -hmm. you know hats off to them because i know they they had a a real strong voice in in finding the right folks yeah it's really cool to see Absolutely. Everyone, thanks again for listening. And don't forget to tell your friends about this podcast. And hey, follow the podcast. You know what I mean? I mean, spread the word, tell your buddies and then and then follow so you can hear every episode every time it drops. And we'd like to give a special thanks to the Supernatural Wiki, 
Supernatural Fandom, and the Supernatural Official Companion Books, written by Nicholas Knight. It's where the podcast gets many of its fun bits and details. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing your heavy lifting before we should up here to do our light lifting. This episode stars Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester and Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester. Guest stars feature A.J. Buckley as Ed Zedmore and Travis Wester as Harry Spangler. Hell House was written by Trey Calloway, directed by Chris Long. Editing by Paul Karasik, music by Christopher Leonards. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of the episode featured two songs that I was dying to flip in here when I watched this on Netflix but didn't get to. And those songs were From Blue Oyster Cult, Fire of Unknown Origin, and Burning For You. The episode first aired on March 30th, 2006. This episode of Supernatural, Then and Now, was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hyde. Written by Stephen Hyde and Heine Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Boudet. What's up, Boudet? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. For news on this and other podcasts, follow Story Mill Media on Instagram and Twitter. Remind us to tell you about the clown attack, real life clown attack. Okay. <laughs> you weren't kidding. Oh, Lord. You weren't kidding about that. You literally oh, got no, attacked no. by a clown. It made the front page of the paper. I'll just oh, my leave God. It at that. <laughs> wow. There was one house on my block that just a scary lady lived in, the Simmons house. Ooh. You just, you didn't want to, like, when you, when you, when you walked home, you had to avoid. Get away. This, exactly. This episode of Supernatural, then and now, was hosted by somebody else. How how was it intertwined with My Little Pony subculture, Steve? No. <laughs> I don't know. Is that uh, real, Steve? Yeah, I saw yes. a documentary on that one time. Yeah. Part of the brony culture is trying to manifest their fantasy spirit animals. Um, wow. And some of them, you know, claim to have done so. And it's more of like their imaginary friends. That, like, Right. Wow. Okay. We, we would avoid it at Halloween. We wouldn't trick-or-treat at their house. It was just that scary old lady. Yeah, Rich is doing right now, he's doing, he's miming a, do, a creaky door opening, but not making any noise for about a good five seconds. There you go. There it is. There you are. I'm doing, um, you don't, dude, just so you know, no offense, but we're getting yeah. the, uh-huh. the radio dramas when you do the okay. creaky door. You don't uh-huh. pop in with the dialogue. You don't go, hey guys, what's going on? You need like. Yeah. But here's what you here's what you just did. You have wonderful diction and a radio voice, but I've never heard you struggle with a word as much as you did with the word hound. Hound? Yeah, you like you kept saying hellhound. <laughs> hellhound. We had uh the oil, how you oil door AW, A and W, AW forty, DW forty. Yes, a and W. The root beer. <laughs> you put it all over the door. And poof, it doesn't squeak. Storybell Media.